Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.tv Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB. I'm here with Aaron and Ricardo. Today we're talking about how video games can be beneficial, how they can help improve skills or motor skills, reflexes, and make you a better, uh, stronger, more grit person in the world. Because you have persevered and grinded in these games, they made you think differently, allowed you to be more creative, and we go into it more, and we'll also open this discussion to be continued in future podcasts. And let's get right into the podcast. How do you feel about it, like games, like the new Dream game that came out? You've seen it, or it's called Dreams on the PS4, or it's basically a game engine. I haven't never heard it. of it. So it's in early access right now, which is kind of fun. Yeah, you it gives you the tools and the assets to build whatever you you dream of, essentially. And the game starts off by saying, kind of like a Big Bang, that your idea is there. Grab it and go make it. And then you can code things. So instead of calling it like programming language, you call it logic. You can code things together. You can sculpt. You can build level designs and, like, you can uh, connect different scenes together. You can have different, uh, you can create a character and then put it into different scenes and upload it so people can use it. It's really cool and it's all in this game that you can buy. And I've seen people create so many cool things and old games like the Outlast game. People have recreated it. It, it looks just like it. It sounds just like it. And it's pretty amazing. But that's really cool. The thing you were talking about, usually during the calls, Aaron, is cool. Which is like these games that allow you to basically create whatever you want without having to spend the time and money. Like, for instance, making a game, you have to build the assets, you have to program everything. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I think we can go with something creative games. Yeah. It's not like, like, I like Tycoon games too, where they just test your creativity or your management skills, essentially. Like, yeah. uh, restaurant tycoon games. I've always loved those games. But, the zoo um, one is pretty nice. The zoo one? The zoo tycoon? Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, and when you get this, you just save your progress and close the entrance and let the animals live. Mm-hmm. Do they still make zoo tycoon games? I have no idea. Yeah. I haven't played them in I know roller coaster tycoon is 10 plus years. Yeah, roller coaster tycoon is really the only one of those that I played. Mm-hmm. But there have been a lot of games like that. We were talking a couple of weeks ago also about the uh, uh, Jurassic World. Oh, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically a tycoon game, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can even let the dinosaurs do uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this can be pretty fun. Yeah. So um, actually, um, a number of like indie-style games along those lines. i played a few of them. You know, Open up my Steam to look at them. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a genre I don't think of when when I think of indie games, it's Tekken games. Well, so my favorites, uh, kind of my my absolute all-time favorite of those was the Anna. Um, uh, it was called Dawn of Discovery in the U.S., but they've got a new one out that's like Anno 1800 or something like that. Okay. Um, you ever play Dragon Ball? On the iPhone? Dragon Ball? Yeah, I love that game. So you create a dragon park, and it's the game where you have to, like, wait. You do something, and it takes, like, days or hours. But it's, like, mobile or Yeah, it's an old mobile game. I think it's updated now. I haven't played it in, like, a year. I think I've seen ads for it, like, when I was playing other mobile games. But it's a game that takes a lot of time to actually see results, Put like oh, yeah. into it. But you can have an amazing dragon park at the end of it. I don't know, it's cool because with that game, I feel like you learn like persistence and you know persevering over a long period of time and patience that you can build something. And I think it's really beneficial to a lot of people, especially like kids, to have them play a game that makes them wait a long time for something to happen without having to have instant gratification. Because now when I build things, I'm like, oh, it's just like that game I played. It's going to take a while, but when, at the end of the day, the year, it's going to be there, and it's going to be worthwhile. 
a couple of browser games that I've been playing that are along those lines. Yeah, speaking of those weight games, there's one that I thought was pretty fun. Uh, I played it for like six months, I think. It's called My Singing Monsters. My Singing Monsters? What was it about? Yeah. Yeah, you just build monsters that sing. So instead of sing a park or something, it, it's a band. We have multiple environments and each one has a different song. You can enable different monsters to sing and stuff. It's fun because instead of it being visual, it's sound. It's a different spin on the concept. What did you feel like you learned from playing that game? Uh, not much, really. Uh, it was interesting because it's the only one I even bothered to play for long. Uh, and I did it entirely free to play, of course. Uh, and it was fun. Uh, it had a mechanic that kind of made up for something that I miss in some of those games. Uh, you could kind of collect at any time, you know. You didn't have to wait if you had, like, this piece that gave you X amount of coins in five hours. You could come back in 10 or in 3 and get it proportionally. It would just cap in X amount of hours. Okay. There's a there's a company called Inno Games that that makes a browser game that's kind of similar to that. One of them's called uh, Forge of Empires, and the other one's called Elvenar. One of them is more of a PvP oriented version. The other one's the other one's more of a you know, friendly community oriented towards you know like co-op version. They largely use kind of the same mechanic, and it's actually one of the things that I don't really like about the game is that you, it like production doesn't happen unless you tell it to explicitly, uh, no. and you have to set like timers. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, you know, I just collected my nine-hour builds and started up some new nine-hour builds, um, you know, which I usually set for overnight. The reason why I don't like that is because if you don't log in, then you lose out on production. Yeah. And I'm not a real big fan of that mechanic. I'd rather that, like, my buildings produce stuff, and I don't have a problem with logging in to have to collect stuff, but I don't like the having to log in to start production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't set it uh, up. Yeah, I, I feel that those types of games, you know, those click-and-wait games, uh, have a big risk of feeling like a shore after a while. Yeah. You're just logging in for the sake of logging in. Yeah. I was playing a, a game called Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Uh, it's a turn-based RPG, but it's mobile so, and free-to-play, so it has a ton of uh, click-and-wait mechanics. Uh, you have you know, daily caps of what you can do and stuff. Uh, and after a while, it was feeling like a chore, you know. I was logging in just to do the daily runs and everything, and uh, <laughs> my guild, mm -hmm. and got to a point that I just <laughs> uninstalled and never logged back in. Even though it was kind of responsible for me getting into Star Wars a lot more, because uh, I was mostly into the films at first, uh, but then playing that game, I felt like watching the animated series and stuff. And that was totally worth it, by the way. Nice. Watch the Clone Wars for everyone listening. <laughs> Is it true that when you play like Call of Duty, or like especially the older ones with the World of War when it was a little darker, it did increase your eyesight? Or was that just a myth? I heard it. I think reflex is 100%, but eyesight, I don't know. Yeah, more, yeah, eyesight reflexes. I remember back when I was in middle school, someone did, like, a project on it. But I wasn't sure if that was legit or just, you know, hey, this yeah. is how games and are That's pretty it. hard to... Yeah. It's hard to study because uh, it's hard to establish a control group. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stuff that can help you if you play video games, especially reflexes when it comes to looking at certain things, especially the mini-map and all that's happening. I feel like yeah. I'm better at multitasking... Because oh, of that sure. Way. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, like playing Dota, I see a lot of that because it's so much going on. Mm. Even though uh, when you think of a strategy game, you see you're controlling an, an entire army, but mm. you know, with Dota, even though you're only controlling yourself, you have to pay attention to the minimap and things happen. And if there's an enemy hero missing, you have to kind of be on your feet. And that is pretty, that's a lot of things to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, end up, those games always were hard for me when I was younger. I was like, those so games are still hard for me. Yeah. I'm not I'm not good at micromanaging, but I am really good at more long-term strategy type things. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about like you know, the amount of time that you're playing a game, so like Forge of Empires and Elvenar, I've been yeah, I've played both of those for like four plus years. Wow. And uh, you know, the highest I ever got in Elvenar was like rank seventeen on the one server that I play on. Right now I'm ranked 239. And a lot of that was just because I fell behind while I had cancer last year and didn't really have the ability to log on and play. And unfortunately, falling behind that much has kind of also discouraged me from playing more because, you know, now I'm like, oh, I got like four months of work to to try and catch up. That's That's not a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is only fun. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I kind of moved into more card games, because they are really rewarding uh, if you put the time and effort, because... Card games? Yeah, because when you get to high level of play... Um, I'm talking card games like Magic the Gathering? Yeah, oh. even Hearthstone and Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff. I'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Digital. right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, I played Hearthstone like comp- competitively for like about a year and a half, uh, but then I, I got tired. <laughs> uh, I uh, I used to actually play like card games, like with physical cards, like Magic. Mm. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. The community and stuff yeah. gives you uh, most of my. Best friends from Brazil are still the guys I met playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, some of the good mm-hmm. things about card games, especially the physical, is that you guys actually interact with the people around you, and build yeah. relationships and stuff like that. Uh, games are very powerful when it comes to relationships uh, because you're doing something together, you're achieving a goal, and when you do achieve it, you can celebrate together. And I don't know, it's, I feel like it's a great way to keep a relationship going, especially long distance. Like if you have a long distance relationship or with friends. If you play video games with each other, it almost feels like you're hanging out with each other, next to each other. Yeah, that's something fun that happens to me, because uh, I played RuneScape with my clan for like four or five years. And one day I was working and one of the guys messaged me and said he was in town. I just left work and we went out and had a couple of drinks and like two days later we were barbecuing at my house. Then I took the guy to the airport, and it was like we've known each other for for life, even though we technically met that week, you know. Yeah. I've met very interesting people on the PlayStation Network from around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I say uh, player interaction is where I see Hearthstone fall flat a lot, lot, because it kind of tries to be similar to physical card games uh, with the entire emote thing and you know the fireside gatherings and yeah it's fun but it's not the same because you're really playing at home you know and uh, when you go out and meet your friends from your local card store and play the tournament and, they, and then you go like, out to get some burgers or Something else, you know, uh, it's much easier to build a relationship. Uh, it's easy to find like-minded individuals and uh, build kind of a team. Yeah. And you, you end up with a, a lot of those because people tend to, you know, get close to people with similar goals. Yeah. 
I'm just more comfortable when you are talking with somebody that relates to you in a very strong way. When it's like a video game, you're like, oh, hey, this game, this gun, this character, you can instantly just build a relationship. Instead of being like, hey, I don't know who you are, or look, we're staring at each other, and I don't have a lot to go off of. Especially for people, yeah. most people I know gamers, they're pretty shy. I was shy, so I was like, I don't, I don't know what to talk to you about, but let's go get B. And then just eventually things will start conversating. Yeah. I've made a lot of friends through playing video games, and if I didn't, especially when I was younger. Yeah, that's definitely true. Some of the... Uh, we talked about this a little bit you know, in our in our conversation about building community and how you know, some games, especially these days, are are built in such a way that it's it's not necessary to maintain good relationships. Like you know, World of Warcraft versus EverQuest. In EverQuest, you know, you would camp a spawn point in a dungeon for days to weeks. And you'd get to know the same kind of people that were there because the pace of the game was much slower. And you would also develop a reputation around the people that you're playing with on the server, whether you're actually good at the game or not, versus, you know, that conversation we were having about my sister, like, you know, she just hopped to a new server once she pissed that off people off, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. There are, there are some strengths and you know, there's also some drawbacks about being on the internet. So I'm talking about like, you know, I used to play Magic the Gathering in person with friends and <laughs> the the only thing that really was bad about that was that uh, you know, in the late 90s when I used to do that, my kids were just born. So most of my money went to taking care of my kids and feeding my family versus, you know, my, my friend Devin, who is a a, a young single guy that worked at Microsoft that made a whole lot of money. So for him, the only thing that mattered was winning. Mm. And so he would go out and spend like thousands of dollars on Magic the Gathering cards, which made it just completely unfun for the rest of us because none of it, nobody else in our group could like spend thousands of dollars on Magic yeah. cards. So he would always win. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, of course, but it was fun in that. Yeah, exactly. And then another great type of game that I love is the one where you make you choose different choices, especially like Detroit Become Human that came out. Because it really makes you understand the choices you make. And I feel like that's a good game. for More games should be like that for people who are younger so they can experience what it's like. You make this certain decision and you can't go back and restart the level because you can't in life. Yeah, should. there's this old browser game I think it's called One Chance. One Chance. Uh, yeah, I think it's One Chance, the name. Uh, you find a cure for cancer, and then, uh, yeah, you go out to celebrate and stuff, and after a while, people start dying. And it turns out your cure for cancer is at fault, and, uh, and you can, like, spend your entire time hanging out and being with your family and... If you if it takes too long for you to go back and try to fix stuff, uh, you end up just you know not saving the world. <laughs> there's only one good ending, and there's no way to restart. You have to clean your cookies and stuff to play again. Wow! Yeah, it reminds me of uh, I Am Legend because uh, that's the background story of the movie. If you guys don't remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because you feel genuine consequences for the choices you make. Yeah. I think that there's, I think that there's some value in, in, in games that have, you know, strong death penalties. If you, if you die in a game, you lose all of the things that were on your corpse or whatever, right? And you have to go back and get it. But at the same time, I'm not sure I'd be like totally. I don't, I don't think playing a game where like. If you lose, that's it. You can't ever play this game again. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're paying full price for it. Right. But having a hardcore mode is interesting. Like yeah. Diablo, you know. Yeah, hardcore mode is, is a good thing. You know, I mean, I've spoken about it a number of times, talking about, like, Fallout 4's survival mode is, like, the way that that game was meant to be played. And... 
even that's a little frustrating, especially because you know the the creation engines are a little unstable, and so you run into situations where you have to sleep on schedule, and that's the only time that you can play the game. So you kind of have to like plan what a day's worth of activity is in that game. Like you know, go and decide which you know, which quests you're going to do, which areas you're going to explore, and then you just kind of like cross your fingers and hope you can make it back to your base so that you can sleep before the game crashes. That's that's also not a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't think so. The game's crashing, never fun. Yeah, but especially after you've been sitting there for two or three hours you know, playing, and you finally made it through an area and completed some quest, and then you're on your way back and you hit bats and the game crashes. You're like, son of a gun, now I have to start all over again and do this day one more time. Oh, man. It used to happen to me in The Sims. I'll play for a long period of time. Get so far in the game and in a crash. I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. Why, why play yeah. yeah, there's something... There's a big problem with games where you can't save on demand. Uh, yeah, I know it's nice for the mechanics if you want to have saves being like a resource, but... yeah. Hey, at the same time, you run the risk of the game crashing. And right. It teaches you to save and keep backups. <laughs> yeah. Maybe make a GitHub for your save. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But uh, speaking of death penalties, uh, I think RuneScape does two different things that are pretty interesting. It has two different game modes that are kind of recent, like two years. Uh, one's called Hardcore Iron Man, and the Iron Man game mode is pretty much just, you know, uh, single player. You have to gather everything for yourself and stuff. Uh, then the hardcore aspect is just, if you die, the account is locked. Uh, you can buy an item after a certain level, and it just reverts you into a regular Iron Man. Yeah. But it, it's interesting to watch the high scores because you have people that are like max level and everything and have a ton of stuff and never died in their account. Yeah. And it's pretty streamer friendly, but at the same time, it's an online game. So you DC and you lose your year's worth of progress. So it's kind of bad. And they also run something called Dead Man Invitational. Uh, it's a tournament that... Uh, they turn on a single server with a cap of 2,000 people. You have to qualify, and uh, it's PvP everywhere. You lose a ton of experience when you die, and you drop a bank key, so, and uh, the, all the items that are with you. So uh, everything but the X, I think it's five most expensive items in your bank, are also lootable. And at the end, they have a, uh, a battle royale, and the winner gets, like, I think it's $10,000. Oh, wow. What? Wow. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. So how do you think difficulties, like, having those hardcore modes benefit the players in the game and in life? I think you get a lot from instead of having the game being only that way, having an extra difficulty level, because then you can tailor for different demographics. Because I think most people don't want to play the hardcore mode. Well, it's, it's not it's not easy. Like if you play God of War, God of War mode, you're gonna you're gonna have to get good. You're gonna have to actually like play the oh. <laughs> that was some good timing. Yeah. Right? Alright. But yeah, I was saying, you, you're going to have to get good. You're going to have to practice and, and actually wait for the cues to pop up for you to do a certain command. I don't know, when I was playing, I got to the point where I couldn't get hit. 
I knew exactly when the person was doing what they were going to do. I used the right moves. I made sure I planned my... Like, I just... I became more aware of what was happening instead of just mindlessly playing the game. Because that happens yeah. in, like, life. Things that we're doing, we just kind of, like, go through the motions because it's, it's either easy or mundane or we've been doing it for a while. But when you really focus and, and understand every little thing that's happening, uh, it just puts your senses and your reflexes to the test. I, I feel like it's just a training session for important tasks you have to do. I don't know, because for me, for me, things seem really easy. Like, sitting down there, getting something done, and focusing. But for other people, it's not. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just go sit down and grind it out, and then you'll forget it. They're like, ah, get procrastinated. And it happens to me, too, but it's like, there's a part of me, it's like, I feel like I've done this my whole life, and it's just, it's like a habit. Let's go. Yeah, I run by this philosophy that, that I always run games in the hardest possible difficulty. <laughs> always. Yeah. Just to get the full experience, yeah. even if it takes me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that about running it at the highest difficulty. There are some games that are very poorly designed, however. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So as an example, Resident Evil 7 <laughs> came out not too long ago, and uh, it only has two modes, normal and easy. And the very first level, you kind of you, you fight against uh, your girlfriend does like a Resident Evil T cell animated zombie. Mm-hmm. And um, in normal mode, I've I've tried killing her maybe 20, 30 times and can't do it. In easy mode, I killed her the first time. That's, oh, that's like horrible. that's really badly balanced. <laughs> I guess, what? Is that the one where you can get your hand like chainsawed off? Yeah, you get yeah. your hand chainsawed off in the first level. That's <laughs> yeah, while you're while you're fighting your reanimated like T cell animated girlfriend. Yeah, I remember the it's, level afterwards. It was super hard. The one with the old man around the building. Yeah, in the car, right? Yeah. In the garage. Like, yeah, I uh, you know I only played the game on easy mode, but you know because I couldn't get past that first level. But that's I mean you know that was the thing about it was that in easy mode it was like you could almost not lose, and in hard mode you could not win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like really badly balanced. Uh, that that's the one where you kind of go into an abandoned house right at the start. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the one I played in the Arden. I got motion sickness when I your bet. girlfriend comes in to you and stabs you, you know? Yeah. That's when I had to turn it off. They're definitely, uh, yeah, definitely high on the gore perspective. Do you think scary games or horror games help people be less scared? Because I feel like that doesn't help me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know really what the point of those kinds of games are. I mean, I kind of, you know, around age 10 is when I stopped being scared of, like, you know, frightening noises and flashes and things like that. Yeah, yeah uh, I think scary stuff kind of echoes something you kind of don't get in real life nowadays. You know, you want to get your adrenaline, but at the same time, it's a safe environment. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of the the part that bugs me. So. When you think about, uh, yeah, so I used to have this term that I would call people, I'd call them leaners. Leaners. So, yeah, so if you're playing a game and you're like a first-person shooter and you lean in your chair to look around the corner, right, because you're so immersed in the game that you physically respond to what's going on on your screen, I call them leaners, right, people that lean in their chair when they're, I, you know, if you look at like you know professional esports players, they never lean in their chair because there's a pure disconnect between what's going on on the screen and the controls that they have, and immersion is not necessarily you know part of that. You're focused and you're concentrating, but you're not necessarily immersed. And I'm you know I'm kind of as you get older, especially playing video games, you can kind of get to the point where you 
you're always detached. Like you recognize that, you know, you are playing a game and not like, not in the game, right? And so, you know, that kind of immersion doesn't necessarily land as well with people who are not leaners. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I get you, yeah. Yeah, but then you get VR. <laughs> uh, have you guys seen videos of guys going to those VR arcades that yeah. they have? Those like falling on the ground? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's one that it's just a plank. And you're in VR and you're, it's a plank, you know, on, on top of a large building and there's nothing under you, but, you know, it's just a plank on the floor. And people walk super carefully and are scared of getting, you, I think you have to say the cat that's at the end of the plank. No, but it, it, that really and messes people, people up. Yeah. They panic. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd really enjoy that. I mean, like... Even knowing for a fact that, you know, so I live in Chicago now and like last year sometime, me and my girlfriend, we went to the Sears Tower and they've got that, you know, viewing deck with those, with those like uh, yeah. boxes that stick out and you can see straight down to the ground. Even knowing for a fact that it's absolutely 100% safe and I just watched, you know, 30 people in line in front of me walk into those boxes and take their picture. I walked out there and I kind of looked down and I was like, okay. I'm done with this, and then I stepped back, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah same. I, I think it was a little bit better, but my dad was freaking out. I was like, you got this? He's like, no, 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 we have to go down. I'm like, no, 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 come on, you got this. I wasn't necessarily freaking out so much as it was just like, you know, I mean, this is neat, and that's enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. I don't want to be the one guy that gets unlucky. and Right? <laughs> exactly. But you, don't you think that if you then VR, it's a safe way to have like exposure therapy and get over that fear bites. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can like get it. I can freak myself out just like being in my head, imagining yeah. scenarios <laughs> like that. Right. I had a friend who's <laughs> such a, uh, he's really afraid of heights that he'll play Assassin's Creed and he'll start sweating when he doesn't leave the faith. I'm like, bro, it's, a, you're not even, it's not even you. It's like, dude, I can't handle it. I'm like, Oh my God, dude. Okay, that's another level. Yeah, that that's extreme. No, no, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'd describe those as extreme leaners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of leaners, I have a friend that when he's playing fighting games, he gets up and starts jumping up and down really fast. <laughs> <watching the bird. laughs> Does he does he do squats, you know, to to teabag <laughs> the oh, opponents in the fighting game? <laughs> oh god, that's, that's a little extreme too. You got people playing the Wii, playing baseball, and then letting go of the remote. Oh, <laughs> breaking their TVs, hitting people. Yeah, it's important. It always says when you're loading the game, strap on. So I've never really, you know, getting back to that topic that you were mentioning earlier about, uh, you know, learning skills from playing strategy games. I'm not sure how much that kind of stuff really always applies to real life. But if you look, there are a lot of a lot of articles done about, for example, city skylines and like the how detailed that is as a city planning game mm -hmm. that. As I understand it, like some cities have actually gone so far as like recreating their city in Skyline so that they can use it as like a, a civil planning tool. Really? That's so, yeah, like you know, they they'll they'll map out and recreate like a particular intersection that has a lot of congestion problems, and then they'll like send it out for people to like help us solve this problem. You know, how do we need to reroute the roads and things that's, so that you know? So cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are definitely some places where there's value in, in, you know, the real life ap applications of, of what can be done in games, but you know, I'm not good at micromanaging. My dad is pretty good at it and he would always beat me at like Starcraft because he's better at micromanaging than I am. I'm, I'm, I'm better at the long-term strategy type stuff. So, like, when I was younger, you know, we'd play chess with each other and, 
and you'd always beat me at chess just because I was younger. But as I got older, I, I was able to conceptualize, you know, the, the, the larger concepts of what you're doing in chess about zone control and, you know, and, and, and looking, you know, many, many moves down the road to see, you know, what you're trying to do from a, a kind of like a higher scope or a higher level. And I was able to, I was able to beat him because I was able to think further down the road than he was. Whereas my dad, you know, from a move-to-move tactical perspective when I was younger would always win because he'd just, you know, he'd be able to lock me down really early in the game. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, I played those kinds of games like, you know, StarCraft and, and, and strategy games that were much more focused on those short-term things, but I never really got better at it. And that might just be my personal predilection towards you know long-term <laughs> strategy i don't know yeah <laughs> you know playing yeah. a game like elvenar where you know i said i've been playing it for like four years i i like that kind of stuff i also you know grow plants and other kinds of things that are that are definitely like long view activities that require a lot more patience and i'd say that you know some of my favorite games also kind of focus more on that long-term investment type thing yeah, speaking of strategy games, it just reminded me of one game that I really wish I was better at, because I love the game, but I can't even finish the campaign. What game is it? Uh, it's Company of Heroes. Company of Heroes. Yeah, it's super hard, because it's a World War II real-time strategy game. And um, I'm a huge fan of World War II, and... Well, it's hard as hell. You know, I don't have a whole lot of strategy games, but actually when I look at my Steam library, what I do have is I have a very large section that I call simulation. So you know how you can, like, create your own category. So I've got, like, a category of strategy games, like Age of Wonders. Fantastic game. You know, all of the civilization games, Civilization 4, 5, 6. No, and XCOM 2 is another example of, mm-hmm. of kind of what I describe as strategy games that I definitely enjoy, but I'm not great at them. But then when you look at simulations, you know, Roller Coaster Tycoon, Planet Base, The Sims, Stoneheart, Tropico, Villagers, Banished, Anno, City Skylines, I have tons and tons and tons of simulation games. And I think that's maybe the distinction right there, you know, between between those different kinds of games. I like simulations where... You know, you can build something for, you know, for a year or months and months and months playing, you know, particular maps. The Anno games being some of my favorite ones. Um, the old one, Dawn of Discovery, was a lot of fun. Uh, you, you basically you have, like, this map where you have to, like, define trade routes and you have to get, like, these really long, complicated production chains to, to build things in advance in the game. You know, simulations to me are a lot of fun because you know you can take that long view and you can mm-hmm. strategize over you know a long period of time yeah. you can plan out you know complicated things that you're doing strategy games you know move to move and that kind of stuff I was never particularly good at it and I, I can't say that you know playing strategy games has made me any better at strategy right <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still not good at them to this day <laughs> yeah but uh, at the same time it- you cannot see a result in strategy, but maybe it made your brain work faster. You think better. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, that is really hard to measure <laughs> as well. Yeah. If I got better at it, but maybe he's smarter from it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah uh, that there's no, no question that yeah. playing strategy games will make it harder over time. I mean, I've read an article somewhere where somebody said they played the city planner type of game, and they loved it, and then they decided to do some engineering, and then they designed cities in the future, or planned out schools and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that was kind of along the lines of what I was mentioning earlier about City Skylines, is like, it's realistic enough as a simulation mm-hmm. that you learn real-life applicable skills. Yeah. To, you know, how to deal with, like, literally planning a city, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, what people find All of that civil engineering, from, yeah. Which is cool. Now, that's a really good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
if, uh, if you find that you're really good at a certain kind of thing, you can, you know, that can definitely inspire you to what you might enjoy doing as a living. Yeah, so you're telling me SimCity is not realistic? There's no chance that Godzilla will come into my city and destroy it? <laughs> really? I, you know, even games like that, I've always liked playing in sandbox mode versus versus like the campaign mode. So the Anno games are a good example of that. They've got you know, this really, really decent AI that's really too difficult to beat for me. Again, the strategy part of it, not so good at it. Like I can't, I can't beat the AI in that game, even on easy mode. That's how bad I am at it. But you put the game in sandbox mode, and I will play one map for like a year and just have a blast doing it because I can sit there and like, you know, tweak every little aspect of it and, you know, optimize the trade routes and, you know, without any kind of harassment from any other players or AI monsters or anything else, just kind of live in my own world and make it perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, simulation versus strategy. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about having different experiences, not exactly difficulty levels, uh, helps mm-hmm. you cater to different audiences. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's, it's important to make sure that, you know, you cater to a lot of different, a lot of different play styles and play types. And yeah. In the design of the game that, you know, me and my group have been working on, we've, we, we call them pillars. And we basically say there's like four different pillars that we're trying to cater to. There's the people that enjoy building things and crafting things. There are people that enjoy gathering things. There are people that enjoy going out and exploring things. And there are people that enjoy combat. And so, you know, we, we basically look at these four pillars and say, you know, the, the core of the design is that we need to cater experiences for each of those kinds of people that meaningfully interact with other people. So, you know, for example, you have people that enjoy combat and you have people that enjoy experiencing. So you need to make a world that's hostile enough that it benefits the explorers to have fighters that go around with them, right? That that you need to have, you know, you need to have the people that enjoy that combat experience around so that, you know, so that they can protect the people that enjoy the exploring thing, right? So you've got your, you know, your pioneer or your, you know, your, your, your your main leader that's like you know let's go explore and try and find this resource that we heard is somewhere and then it's like you know gather up all of the people that are able to protect you so that you can go out and do that there are people that enjoy trading and so we want to build a world where you need to hire combat people and exploration type people to help you facilitate trade you know the entire the entire focus is kind of like trying to build threats as it were into the world that cause people to get together and play together you know form those kinds of communities and stuff and i think you know that's a really important aspect of it is is creating an experience that that allows you you know as a as a group of players to to you know find ways to cooperate to overcome those challenges yeah that's one big benefit you will get from having an ever-changing world right because having a stay world, people will just find out the best strategy and <laughs> stick to that. Easy mode and you know, easy mode in Fallout Four. After I played that game for you know three or four months, you, know, you, you even on normal mode or even hard mode, non-survival mode, basically, you know, even even a level one character, you go through like the first couple of you know quest lines where you come out of the vault and you like you know meet your robot assistant and and you know find the dog, and then I would just run straight to the city from that point, you know, dodging all of the combat and fights, and go and get the NPC that I liked. Once you know the world well enough, you can do that kind of thing. And yeah. I always thought that was kind of a cheat, right? Because when you turn survival mode on in that game, the idea of like running into the city and finding a companion like at level one is just insane. I spent like a week playing the game just getting, you know, like all of the stuff around your initial home base, you know, just like spending 
you know, a huge amount of time just going out and like doing one quest and hoping that you survive so that you could make it back to your base. And it was like, you know, in game time, it was, you know, two or three weeks of game time play, like, you know, seven to 14 save games, right? Before you even got to like the next level of, of, of encampments and stuff around it. I, I, you know, this is why I always said that I think that survival mode Fallout 4, for example, was the way that the game was meant to be played because you can't just, you know, use the knowledge that you have. They actually built the game in a challenging way Mm -hmm. that regardless of knowing all there is to know about the world, you still could not go out and really do that kind of stuff because the game was just, it was tuned to the point of almost absurdly difficult but it was tuned to the point of realistically challenging for a, a survival mode. Yeah. I, I know that, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that were just like, yeah, I couldn't do survival mode. It was like way too hard. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's not really all that much hard. Harder, you just have to be a lot more careful. It's still the same game. You just, you have to plan better. Yeah. And so, again, you know, that simulation strategy type thing for me I'm good at, you know, planning that long road, right? Mm-hmm. Comes easy, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the game that benefits a lot from having different difficulties. Mm. It just makes you yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody I, enjoys I, different aspects of games. Yeah, um, and I say you're not the average player. Right? No, I don't think I'm a typical player. <laughs> for a lot of games. I, I definitely look at things a little differently than many people do. Do you think you've always said it, or games made you think like that? This is a really good question. I, I don't know if if it was my natural predilection for those kinds of thought processes that made me you know drawn to those kinds of games, or if it was the other way around that I played those kinds of games and it kind of <laughs> shaped me into, you know, the, the kind of person that just, I think, you know, everybody has kind of a natural predisposition to certain kinds of things. Like, you know, I mean, I was, I was definitely when I was younger, I was, I don't, I don't even want to repeat what my username was, but it was, it was humorous because, you know, playing shooters when I was in, you know, when I was 18 to, you know, 24, I was hot shit. <laughs> Pardon my language, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was. I would always be like, you know, rank one or two, you know, at the end of a match because, you know, when I was that age, I had better reflexes. I'm no good at those kinds of games anymore. You know, I, 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 I really enjoyed playing League of Legends for you know four or five years, but I was never any good at it. <laughs> and it was, it was not necessarily like I. I think part of the reason why I wasn't particularly good at it was because I was not good at the combat tactics. I could always see, like, you know, this is what the team needs to do, and, you know, these are the overarching strategies that are going to work. We need to, you know, make sure that people focus on, you know, the jungle has this particular strength. There's understanding that each of the champions has, like, a, a power curve for early game, mid game, and late game. And, like, you know, understanding kind of those meta mechanics was always something that I never had a difficult time being, you know, seeing what's going to work. But at the same time, knowing that my champion, you know, was strong early game didn't really necessarily benefit me because I wasn't good enough to take advantage of the strength of the character in early game, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess we'll we'll never know. It's like the, the touchy pop. How many licks? We'll never know. <laughs> How many licks to the center of a tootsie yeah. pop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see a lot of that with esports right now. Uh, like people are ret- retiring at like 24, 25, especially for reflex-based games, and uh, it's the same as you know other sports. So do you think these esports games have allowed people who couldn't afford to gain an enormous amount of money? Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Okay. You get like yeah, I suppose. This, you get the like scrawny skinny kid to now be like the best esport competitor and then gain popularity and money. Is nothing wrong with that? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, have you guys been to a LAN tournament? No. Like just, just watch? I've never been to a video game tournament. It's weird. <laughs> I, I bet it is. Stadium full of people rooting for like a game. Yeah, let's fill Madison Square Garden with 80,000 people watching 10 nerds play video games on a stage, right? Yeah. Didn't they have Fortnite play? I mean, not Fortnite. Ninja play Fortnite on New Year's Eve for the show. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, you know, that does actually raise a really good point, though, about, like, you know, the reflexes of youth and even esports players, you know, age out of that, you know, pretty early, mid-20s or whatever. And, I, you know, I could kind of definitely you know, feel the same way. It's like that's when my reflexes, you know, started kind of getting a little slower. Yeah, and ironically, that's when I started getting much, much better at simulations. So <laughs> I think that's you know maybe just a natural shift in your head. You know, maybe just as as people get older, you know, there's there's changes in you know we're not as good at you know aiming and firing our our first person shooter gun, but we're much better at you know figuring out where the gun is in the first place. <laughs> you know, and outsmarting people because you start to think more. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. You know, applicability to real life, that was about the only lesson learned yeah. from those kinds of card games was like, oh, I, I neither want to nor have the amount of money necessary to be good at this mm-hmm. because it's not really about whether I'm any good at it. It's, it's about just, whether I have enough money to buy the card. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, you can have those big paywalls, especially when you, you're starting. And uh, Magic has the whole uh, rotation thing that kind of makes you keep spending if you want to play modern. Yeah, pretty much. Interesting. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. And then Aaron will figure out that question eventually. If it's the game or if it's you. <laughs> it's the age-old question, right? Hey, you know, I spend a lot more time writing video games these days than I do playing them, probably for the same reason. I, I'm, you know, a lot of the work that I do these days is software architecting, where it's, you know, looking at, you know, looking at the long view, deciding, you know, how should we build this package of software? And there's definitely, you know, definitely some relation to you know, playing simulation games and, like, being able to look at resources, you could almost, you know, see that as, like, a parallel to project management in real life in some way. So, yeah, is it because I played strategy games and simulation games that I'm good at that, or am I good at that and that's why I play strategy and simulation games? <laughs> a mix. Probably. We'll figure it out someday. <laughs> Thanks for hosting, KB. Yeah.